Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge of the Authentic Connection uh, Movement with uh, the podcast Authentic Living with Roxanne. So thank you again for tuning in uh, to uh, this episode. This week, I have a guest, Sandra. See, I wasn't going to trip over that, Sandra. (laughs) Etherington, and she works a lot with family personalities. So Sandra, thanks so much for coming on today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, you know, at the time, uh, Sandra and I got connected, um, you know, I was intrigued by what she does because I'm um, with my background and some of my specialties, families are something that I've dealt with, with a fair amount of, um, you know, experience in the field, but looking at the whole system of a family, I think is so, so vitally important uh, for individuals that people may know about families, but from our end and what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about family personalities, which today, because um, a lot of people are in their homes, uh, self-isolating with family members, with spouses, trying to run businesses, Mm -hmm. trying to keep the kids um, homeschooled. That's a lot of moving balls. So a timely topic, even though we didn't realize this, I I would think about a couple of weeks ago when we booked. So I'll tell you a little bit about her. Uh, Her business aims to help families change the way they parent through the use of personality types with a background in mathematics, which, wow, I'm the opposite of that, Sandra. And big for for accounting, she uses her talent for, uh, I would say, analytics and data, which is, you know, um, to kind of combine her training and passion for uh, the Myers-Briggs, which we'll talk a little bit more. I'm going to assume a lot of people know about it, but some people may not know about it, uh, which is a personality type to help families work through uh, how to more effectively raise uh, their uniquely wired children. And sometimes our kids are polar opposite to us and sometimes they're just like us and Mm -hmm. you know what what that kind of creates to us to create the best versions of themselves that they can be so let's let's talk a little bit about okay how do you pivot from mathematics accounting (laughs) family personalities how did you tell me a little bit about your kind of path and what's brought you working in this arena Yeah, I mean, I love um, working with numbers and data and analyzing things on that level. Um, And so it just kind of naturally, I really enjoyed being able to put a personality type model to the things that we observe in ourselves and in each other. So out of college, I went straight into big four accounting. um, And I did a a lot of systems and process work. And it was in that corporate environment is where I was first introduced to the Myers-Briggs personality type model. And I fell in love with it just because it explained so many things about myself that I hardly even knew until it was brought to light by it. And I started using it in my personal life and in my relationships and in understanding my parents and understanding my significant other and understanding my friends. And I found it so valuable. And when I started a family and became a stay-at-home parent, I began to look at my kids in a different light and started to wonder, 
do they have a Myers-Briggs personality type yet? When, <laughs> when, when does that actually form and when can I tell? And I started doing the research and was just blown away and fascinated by how early you can find out that stuff about your child and, and how you can actually change the way that you parent based on their personality type and give them more of what they need and be more effective as a parent. Um, and through making that discovery in my own family, I wanted to share it with others. And so I became trained in the Myers-Briggs type indicator in the MM tick, which is the, um, it's basically Myers-Briggs for kids. It's the Meisner Murphy type indicator for children. Um, and then I slowly built off of that and, and that's what I do now. Awesome. So let's, let's back up a little bit and mm -hmm. talk about systems, which uh, you're coming from an analytic uh, kind of background, then getting into analyzing personalities. I'm coming from a psychotherapeutic consulting mind where, and I, I say either way, whether it's a family or a corporation, we're still talking about a system. So I, I could see mm -hmm. how the application is really, really uh, applicable. Like I think of uh, some of the teams that I, you know, one of my first teams that I ran, there was 10 people. And I swear if there was 10 subsets of the Myers-Briggs, I think I had every one of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, I, it's funny when I work with families, it's very, it's pretty varied. Um, it's rare to find, it's, I have never worked with a family where, where this, um, two parents are the same type. Um, I do find often where one kid is the same as one parent, but you'll also have a lot of times in a family, a type that's so different from everyone else. And it's just like, where did that child come from? You know? Uh, and it's really fun to be able to draw attention to that and make everyone else realize, oh, this person's coming from a completely different perspective. This child needs something totally different from my other children or from what myself or my co-parenting partner needed as a child. Um, and that can be just really powerful. Even just having that knowledge can be really powerful. And then understanding the things you can put into place um, is, just takes it to another level. So let's, let's back up a little bit. And obviously, you know, this, I think a lot of parents that are at home with their kids mm -hmm. that haven't figured out these things are probably going to be going, wow, this is going to be interesting. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about the Myers-Briggs. So I did mine years ago when I was in corporate and, um, you know, I'm an ENFJ and you said you're an INFJ. Mm -hmm, so yes. Tell us about the different categories, because I think that's a good starting point for somebody that's never kind of done any kind of personality inventory before. Yeah. So the Myers-Briggs is denoted by four letters, as you just heard. Um, Roxanne is an ENFJ. I'm an INFJ. Um, and the four letters come from the four preference pairs. So the first preference pair is introversion or extroversion. The second preference pair is um, sensing or intuition. The third preference pair is thinking or feeling, which is T or F. And then the final preference pair is judging or perceiving, which um, is denoted by J or P. And the really, the the thing that some people get mixed up in in Myers-Briggs and why some people reject it right off the bat is they think, well, I'm not, I can't, I'm not just an introvert or an extrovert. I don't just use thinking or feeling. I, I do both. You know, I'm, some people call themselves an ambivert. And right. in reality, <laughs> in reality, we're all ambiverts. All of us can extrovert. All of us can introvert. We have to, to be human, to interact with the world and to, to reflect and go into ourselves. Those are necessary skills that we do every day. So the preferences, the way I, that I like to describe them is sort of like being left-handed or right-handed. So which one are you, Roxanne? I'm a right-hander. 
Mm -hmm. So if I asked you to sign your name with your right hand, how would that feel? I wouldn't even have to think about it. Yeah. It's just be natural, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if I asked you to sign your name with your left hand, how would that feel? I would think, how poorly is this going to look after I'm done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same here. It would feel awkward and, mm-hmm. and you'd have to concentrate more. Um, and probably if you practiced enough, you could probably get it down, but it would take a while, right? Yeah. My brother's ambidextrous, actually. Oh. So it was, in, it was interesting to watch him be, and he would uh, play cricket and he could, he can both sides and, I, mm. and, and, you know, I would be like, you're a freak, man. Because, <laughs> you know, you could never beat him because he could, he could literally move from the right to the left. He was one of those rare people that just oh, could, you know, incredible. and not very often do you come across that, but uh, yeah. interesting nonetheless. So, yeah. Yeah. So for most of us, we have that strong preference one way or another, and that's kind of the, the best way to think about the Myers-Briggs preferences. We can all introvert, we can all extrovert, and we probably have worked on both really hard to where we can do them both somewhat well. Um, but there is one that is just our natural preference. It feels more natural to me to be inside myself, to be self-reflecting, um, to wait and watch before I participate. Um, But it doesn't mean that I can't extrovert. In fact, I love connecting with people. I I do it all the time. I do it through work and I've chosen that for my work, but I also need a lot of recharge time. So it's really, you need to look at what, which of the two exhaust you more, which one gives you energy. um, And then that's kind of how you decide which one is your preference. And it's the same for all, I I talk about introversion and extroversion a lot because it's the most accessible to people because they they at least have an inkling of understanding of what that is. But it's the same for all the different Myers-Briggs pairs. It's which one do you prefer? Which one's more natural? Which one do you go to first? Okay, so tell me the other three. So the first is introversion, extroversion, Mm -hmm. and feeling. Um, so the second one is intuition or sensing, which is N, N for intuition or S for sensing. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the way that you, you prefer to take in information from the world and sift through information in your, in your brain. Um, and then the third one is thinking or feeling, which is denoted by T or F. And that's the way that you make the, the way that you prefer to make decisions in the world. Do you prefer to make decisions with completely objective logic, leaving feelings out of it? Or do you prefer to take in either your own desires or values or other people's desires or values into consideration when making decisions? And then the final one is judging or perceiving your orientation to the world. So like judges want to control their outer world, perceivers are more comfortable taking the world as it comes. Mm, Okay. That's a, that's a nice way to look at it. So we know what we are and I'm sure people are listening and going, okay, so like, how do I know what I am? Like, you know, and I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, if somebody wanted to do the test, I'm sure there's a link we could probably send them to, to be able to do it. Um, You know, we can talk about that, but uh, is there ways right now that maybe people could do something really quick without actually having the full test to be able to kind of get a sense as, you know, they're making some decisions about how are they and how they relate to others. Yeah. So just a quick note about the, the online assessments that you can find, you can find them anywhere. You just search Myers-Briggs assessment. You'll find a million of them. A lot of different websites have developed their own assessments. Um, With any personality type model, I would say beware of the assessments. Like they're kind of a fun starting point 
and you can definitely Google Myers-Briggs assessment and like see, oh, what are my results? But don't, but don't take that as 100% truth because there's so much intricacy to personality type that you, you just cannot represent it in a forced choice assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, even the Myers-Briggs company assessment, which has years and years, decades and decades of research and work behind it is only about 80% accurate. And it's like, I can't remember how many questions it's over a hundred questions. Mm-hmm. It's a very in-depth assessment. Even that can't get to your type hundred percent. Um, so it's really important to understand the different dichotomies. The best way to do it, if you don't want to spend hours researching it yourself, is to work with someone who is a Myers-Briggs um, certified professional uh, like myself. Um, and like I said, it's fun. You can do the, the quiz, check it out, see what you get um, to just kind of get a starting point. But definitely don't take that with a grain or definitely do take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> so let's think, okay, I'm an ENFJ, right? Um, mm-hmm. So what personalities or what kind of combinations would it be difficult for me to deal with? So um, with regards to your family, right? Let's, let's go maybe with um, a spouse. Mm -hmm. The kind of biggest trip ups are going to be, well, (laughs) well, the times we're in make it more interesting, right? Usually I kind of, I kind of ignore introversion, extroversion, though that definitely can, can be an issue, but I think that can be a much bigger issue with us all kind of stuck at home. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're an extroverted, um, someone who prefers extroversion and you have a spouse who prefers introversion and the extrovert wants to connect, 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 talk, 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 interact, 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 stay busy, stay busy, stay busy. And the introvert's like, whoa, (laughs) all my family is around me and they're constantly trying to pull me out of myself. And I just want some quiet and peace and time alone. And can you hear the passion in my voice? Because that's exactly how I'm feeling right now. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's so difficult. Um, so that can definitely cause a problem. Just having different needs, right? When you're an introvert and extrovert, you have different needs for getting your energy. Um, the, one of the biggest difficulties can be the sensing or the intuition dichotomy, Mm -hmm. because that is how you perceive the world. It's how you take in information. It's how you give instructions. It's how you like to receive instructions. And so in a family, when you're trying to work together to accomplish things, to parent your children, if one parent is trying to give directions to another parent and they have a different preference for sensing or intuition, there can be a lot of frustration there because mm-hmm. it's things are not being communicated the same way. So that, that leads to a lot of miscommunication um, and frustration. So the difference between intuition and sensing is that one person is going into their intuitive gut and the sensing person is doing what? It's a little bit like that. Um, it's uh, that people who prefer intuition prefer to look at things in, um, in a big picture perspective. They like to connect meanings. They like to think of the theme. Um, they make, they just make connections. Um, whereas the person who prefers sensing, they like to look at the practical. They like to look at the details. They like to rely on facts. Um, and so I use an example sometimes, let's just say you're, you know, you're overwhelmed, you're trying to do a work meeting in the evening, but your spouse needs to take care of um, bath time and say that that's not your spouse's usual job, right? And so you give them instructions 
the um, the intuitive parent might give instructions like they need a bath and and the sensing parent might, might say, well, what exactly do I need to do? And the intuitive parent will get annoyed. What do you mean we need to do? Like they, they need a bath. They need to be clean. Like that's, that's what a bath does. The sensing parent will get frustrated and say, but I don't understand what exactly I need to do. What shampoo do I need to use? Do they need to be shampooed? Um, do they both go in at the same time? Does one child take a bath before the other? Do, um, do you need me to wash their whole body? You know, whatever. They, they're like, you're not telling me all the information. And the intuitive parent is annoyed. Like, you should just... You should just like, well, how can you not... Like, the intuitive part of me is saying, really? How do you not know that? But you're right. right. The other person is just more sequential and logical in, in the steps and skills. And the intuitive person is just thinking, it's a bath. Well, how, how difficult right. can that be? Right. And maybe the intuitive parent doesn't even care about the details. They're like, I just want to make sure they're somewhat clean. Right. I don't care how it gets done. Right. 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 Um, so that, and then let's reverse it. Let's say the sensing parent is trying to give instructions to the intuitive parent and they're saying, okay, they need to take a bath at a certain time. I want you to make sure that, um, you know, they you need to make sure that they have used a washcloth in all the right places. Um, they, you don't give it for too long because then they get out of hand and the bathroom starts to get messy. I want them to be done by a certain time. So, and you need to make sure to brush out their hair and then put the after conditioner in. They have all these instructions and the intuitive parent who is prefers not to deal in practical um, realities especially at the end of a long day. And I, I can relate to this as an intuitive parent. The last thing that we want to do is deal with all those little practical details. Intuitive parent might be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. I got it. I got it. Throw the kids in the bath, get them wet. Oh, I can't find the shampoo. You know what? Their hair looks fine. It's not that greasy. They'll be fine. And then throw them in bed. You know, their hair doesn't look that tangly. A big picture is they took a bath. They're not like gross. Anymore. Right. Right. And then the sensing parent's going to be like, what the heck, man? I told you all these things that needed to happen. <laughs> and you did not follow my list. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then Tudor parents are going to say, but that stuff just wasn't important. They're, they're, they're pretty much clean. Right. Right. Have they had a bath is the only thing that's on my mind. And the other person <laughs> saying, why didn't you do the things that I was asking? So you could, that's such a simple thing but it's so true because the like from my end i'm like just get it done and the other person which is really their need is to to really kind of let you know exactly how they think internally so that internal space just by uh, you and i you're you're also an n so you get mm -hmm. it even though you're you're you get your energy internally i get mine ex externally so myself mm -hmm. i'm myself isolating and i'm like okay what am i going to do now who haven't i seen <laughs> oh, and how am i going to get my energy um, whereas other people are like, I love this. Like I was talking to a girlfriend, she's like, oh, this is really nice. I should have done this a long time ago kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, fi I find myself a little bit jealous of the people who are stuck alone in their apartments. I'm like, that sounds really nice right now. <laughs> I wouldn't have like my kids and my spouse all over me all day. <laughs> but I mean, you know, introverts need human contact too, believe it or not. <laughs> right, right. Maybe not as do. much as not as much as the extroverts, but they definitely do need that yes. that human in uh, contact. Right. So, what else comes up with uh, with parenting? Like, so we talk about the you know introversion, extroversion. Like you said, intuition, intuition or sensing. What are the other two qualities, and how might that play through with parents at home at this mm -hmm. point with their kids and also with their spouses? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So with kids, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, if you have a kid who we went, you know, we just use the bath time example with intuition or sensing, it's the same thing. If you're asking your kid to do something and you prefer intuition and they prefer sensing or vice versa, there's going to be some communication issues there. And so understanding how they need things communicated can be really helpful. Um, and then another dichotomy that we haven't got into is the thinking versus feeling. Um, and that can be, that's, um, as I said before, it's how people prefer to make decisions. And, um, you know, feelers prefer to take into account, you know, other people's needs, desires, values, or their own needs, desires, and values um, as, you know, a big part of their decision making. Whereas um, thinkers prefer to leave all that out that just jumbles everything up. They want to keep things completely objective. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so that can, so one subjective, one person's on a subjective lens and the other person's on an objective lens and somewhere in there, they're supposed to like communicate how, you know, their needs. <laughs> yeah. And we're trying to make decisions together as a family of how to do things. I can um, say with, you know, with my husband and I, we're trying to decide, a lot of really difficult things right now. We're, you know, seeing small businesses close around us and there's some that we support on a regular basis. And now we're not using the services and we have to decide, are we still going to pay that every month, even though we're not mm. using the services? I, I'm sure other people have come across this. I, I attend a co-working space normally. I'm obviously, mm -hmm. I'm not using that right now, but that's a, a beautiful thing that has just built up in the last few months here where I live. Um, an incredible community space that I want to support. Um, our preschool is um, that my daughter normally goes to. Is my, if, if they don't get any tuition um, for the next few months, they might have to close their doors. You know, they pay rent, whatever. So do we still pay for preschool even though we're not going? Uh, questions like these can be really difficult when, um, you know, one parent is maybe wanting to leave the feelings of others out and look at the financial bottom line only, um, another parent is really, really swayed by <laughs> the heartbreaking things that are going on and kind of wants to just, well, I think we'll get through it and not think about the, the financial bottom line as much. Um, and so that can be a difficult thing for people to sort through. In, at the oh, moment. absolutely. And I think everybody is going, going through what you're discussing mm -hmm. because we have to, you know, this is an unprecedented time for all families um, where they're now having to decide, you know, um, homeschooling, um, you know, how, or, you know, when are the teachers going to go online and how, what structure do I create and you know if mm -hmm. one spouse has lost a job now you're running on one you know income and you mm -hmm. know we're getting supplemental things that are going to come but it's not been there so all those variables and then you're just, like you're trying to make a decision should we keep this co-space or not yeah and for you, you're saying well I, I it's a nice space for me and the other person is going no no that's 550 a month and <laughs> if this is going to continue for a year you know practically that's that's you know $3,000 that we could probably using in X, Y, or Z. So I could see right. that that must be bringing up a lot of tensions uh, right. for people amidst an uncertain time where we don't know how long it's going to be. Yeah. And it's just exacerbated by the fact that there's just an incredible amount of stress on us right now. Yeah, absolutely. So being able to navigate some of those and being able to explain to your partner the different way that you're looking at it and understand the different way that they're looking at it and maybe not take it so personally can be really helpful. Um, I know with my, my husband and I, we, I prefer feeling, he prefers thinking and, um, <laughs> where we get into conflict a lot is, is my tendency to take things personally. Um, and so, you know, he'll come at something and especially 
when we're stressed, we a lot of times will go harder into our preference and we're less able to properly use the opposite. So, um, so when he's stressed out, he goes harder into his, into his thinking preference and he goes harder into, um, for him, it's, um, he's a TJ and TJs use their thinking different than TPs do. Um, and they use it in, um, they, they very much want to, they, they call it effectiveness. They very want much want to have outer control over their environment and they will do so in a logical way. And when they get really stressed, they push everything else aside. I don't care about who's feeling what or what we need to get this done. And this is the most logical way to do it. And when my husband starts to get like that, I take it really personally. Like for example, you know, say we're, we're a little financially tight and um, I've come home with groceries for the week and I'm just unloading my groceries. And if he comes in and he's in a mood, right. And he's feeling whatever type of way he is, maybe we just got a big credit card statement or something. Right. And he comes in and his mind is on how do we fix this in the most efficient way? Objective logic, objective logic, objective logic. And he comes in and he goes, why'd you buy that? Why'd you buy that? That's really expensive. Right. And then me, I'm thinking, Hey, I just did all this grocery shopping for our family. Like I, and I am making the decisions at the store and he's criticizing my decisions. Like he's thinking oh, I, that I don't take those things into account. And I start to take it really personally, being able to take a deep breath and go, okay, my husband is not using feeling in his decisions. He's only using objective logic. He's obviously feeling stressed out about finances. And that's why he's looking at these different things. It has nothing to do with me, it has absolutely nothing to do with me and the decisions I made and whether he trusts me or not. And being able to go through that process in my head can make me take a deep breath and say, hey, I need you to back up a minute. <laughs> your, your, your extroverted thinking is hurting my extroverted feeling right now. <laughs> so can we talk about this in a different way? You know, and so just being able to take those pauses and understand where each other's and, and stress, like, I mean, for us to not discuss stress would be remiss in this time because, you know, most people are managing as best as they can, mm -hmm. but stress is, is through the roof. People are panicked. They're scared. Um, so of course, like we know when the logical part of our brain goes offline, then we become more emotional, but then you get the elements of the personality subsets we're talking about or variables uh, or variants. And then you could kind of see the more stressed people become, they go to their position or polar, you know, to kind of, solidify their position and lord help us that anywhere in the middle is kind of far-fetched at that point mm -hmm. yeah. yeah when when we're stressed it's easier for us to use our our going back to our metaphor it's easier for you to use your right hand when you're stressed and in a hurry than it is for you to use your opposite preference and go with your left hand or whatever the case may be so let's let's jump um, right into solution because i think that's does that make sense people want to know probably what yeah. And you know what? We, yeah. we haven't gotten into kids either. I forgot you asked about yeah, kids. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about kids. And then I want to go to actual practical things that mm -hmm. people can do, because I think, you know, and I'm fascinated um, about the, the assessment you talked about with children and how early um, can you actually start doing these things mm -hmm. and how you could apply it. Um, because then you kind of get a sense of your child and, things like that. So let's talk a little bit about that. And then we'll actually jump into some pragmatic things that people can actually do with their spouses, with their children and through this time. Yeah, sure. So um, with kids, I, you can start to see 
parts of their personality coming out as early as babies. You can't fully type your kid when they're a baby, um, but you can definitely draw similarities between how babies are based on their type, which I think is so fascinating. Um, for me, personally, I was able to type my kids by the time that they were two. Wow. I don't do it that young with my clients. Um, usually I say I want them to be around three to be starting to take a guess at the personality type. And we just understand that we're, we may not get all of the preference letters at that point. By the time they're seven, um, and they have a second grade reading level or higher, they can participate in the process themselves in, um, choosing for themselves what their preference types are. And so for children seven over, I include them in the process. Um, and then, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. What question was I answering? <laughs> so we're, ta we're talking about, um, you know, you're talking about assessing them, whether it's what time you said seven is a good stage because they're able to be at a grade two level. Mm -hmm. uh, so when most people should be starting to think around, you could kind of intuitively do it younger, but more than likely just knowing the personalities ahead of time until you can get to a formal assessment could start around seven, you're saying, with, with the right specialist. Yeah. And I, I do, I work with families, um, you know, with younger, with toddlers or, or um, preschoolers also. And we take, we take our best guess um, and we can get pretty close a lot of the time. So it's good to start looking at those behaviors as early um, as toddlerhood, because you're going to be able to tell a lot about what they need that early. You might just not be able to get their whole type. Yeah. That, Cause I could think of my son, and, uh, you know, he was the type that, uh, you know, he was a, he was a rule guy, right? Like he went by the rules and mm -hmm. that's my son too. You know, and I'm like, okay. And then he would, I would give him a timeout. So it'd be like, you know, one minute per year and, you know, and then he would, you know, after a while he kind of knew the corner, right. That he had to go in and he would, say, oh, oh, I use that, that loud voice. Uh, uh, I need to go in the corner, don't I, mommy? And I would say, oh, yeah. And then he would go in the corner and he would kind of know after a while because he understood a minute per year. And then he would come back and negotiate. <laughs> My I, son's I, a negotiator too. I wonder <laughs> if they're the same type. <laughs> and then he, but, but except he was so young that he didn't know that he was actually giving himself more time versus less time, which was the sure. funny part. But yeah. I could see that he was a thinker. Mm -hmm. early and then he was getting consequences versus other kids I would be around my friend's kids and I'd be like whoa there was no thought there right like I mean I'm just gonna do it and see if I get away with it or mm -hmm. you know some personalities that would test a little bit more than say with my son what I could see with him so you, you're so right you could I could actually see it with him where he was displaying certain qualities or traits quite quite early yeah you can tell pretty early and with my children they are very different personality types from one another um, and that makes it almost easier to pick out your child's type because you have something to compare it to. And sometimes you don't realize your child is a certain way until you've seen the opposite. Right. And then you say, oh, wow. They, <laughs> that's what the difference between someone who uses thinking or someone who uses feeling is. So let's, let's talk a little bit about parents are listening and going, oh, yes, Sandra, I'm stuck in this house. I've got three kids or four children. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, everyone at every stage. I've got a teenager. I've got a tween. I've got a young one. Um, what, what kind of guidance would you give? So first of all, let's start with the spouses. Because I, say, okay. I often say with the spouses, if you, the more that you're united and you're understanding the space that your spouse is coming from, if you're understanding what a person's like under stress, you're, you're able to kind of, you know, guide the ship. 
-hmm. and then you go to your kids, right? Because mm -hmm. so let's start there with couples that you know um, are home together. What kind of guidance? Let's say, oftentimes to your point, and I, with couples, I know this is that oftentimes we pick personalities that kind of complement us. So we're trying to kind of mitigate or balance out, you know, kind of, you know, mm. what my, our least dominant trait is. We try to find that in our partner. So mm. generally when there's conflict, guess what? <laughs> the conflict area, I'm going to talk about the fact that you like to go out too much or you like to be so microscopic or whatever. So obviously I would say that most people at home are generally a bit different and they know their differences keep them connected, but often mm. too, when they're under stress, that's also what is divisive. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of things could you give them from a, um, a personality perspective to, you, you alluded to some things already around communication. What other things would you say that would be some good tips for couples? Yeah. Right so now. The, the first thing, the first step is just understanding what the differences are. So you have language to put to it and so that you can talk about it, think about it, analyze it. Um, and so that's the first thing that I do with my clients is we get everyone's type and we understand. And then I am, very detailed, help you understand what perspective each person is coming from. Mm -hmm. um, second thing is you think of what are the re repeat things that come up? What are the patterns that are coming up between us? Like what is, like for me, I was saying with the, you know, my husband getting asking, you know, what I perceived as critical questions about things that I'm doing and me taking it personally. That's something that comes up a lot in our marriage. So looking at what are the things that happen over and over and over again, and is there a pattern there? Um, and then what I do is I help families take those, apply them to personality type, and then we come up with a plan um, for how to move through those. So um, what I would say is you, you write down your, um, your conflict that comes up often. Um, how, why is that conflict coming up? Where, what is the personality difference that is causing this conflict? Um, and then you stop in that moment and you communicate what's happening. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm feeling really upset because of this. And I remember that my personality type does, your personality type does that. And it just kind of stops the conflict in its tracks. Um, also doing kind of regular check-ins so that it's not always maybe in a heated moment. Some people can, some people can do that stop. Mm more easily. And my husband and I both are, are people who, who can kind of stop and be thoughtful in the moment. Um, other people might be too into their anger, right? And so having regular check-ins, maybe weekly check-ins, here's what's going well this week. Here's what's not going well this or week. Or even daily check-ins at this point. At some, sure. You know, <laughs> based on what we're going through in this context, maybe right. potentially kind of touching base at the end of the day to kind of mm. make sure that the, you know, the ship is still afloat. <laughs> we have all passengers on, on board. <laughs> and a day feels so long right now. Every day is like a week, right? <laughs> so check-ins as maybe a, a bit more often than right now. Mm -hmm. what, what else? Um, do you want to go to kids? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so checking in, and I, I would say, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but at this mm. time is what are the main themes coming up amidst this lack of control that we're experiencing and mm. the fear and panic? Maybe that would be something would be a good opening spot because I'm sure to your point, you're, you're having to make financial decisions as everybody else is. Mm -hmm. What's the fear? You know, what, what, are, what is the other parent worried about? You know, how are they, you know, how, how are they coping? Ready to understand mm -hmm. how your parent, how, how are you coping and what can I do to help you? Yeah. What, what can you do to help? That's, I'm glad, glad you brought that one up. Um, 
being compassionate about the other person's, um, I don't want to say weaknesses, that's not the best term to use in terms of Myers-Briggs, but the other person's non-preference. So so say you have an intuitive partner and a sensing partner, um, the, in, the sensing partner is much more comfortable with dealing with the practical day-to-day details than the intuitive partner is. So if you have that mix, the sensing partner being able to have a little bit of compassion for the intuitive partner and say, what I can tell you're getting bogged down by all the practical details that need to be taken care of. What can I take off of your plate and put onto mine? Um, in my, I, I'll take an example from my husband and I, um, we both prefer introversion. Um, I am the one with the kids all day while he is, his job is much more um, structured. It's also uh, the main paycheck that we, we rely on. It's really important to honor what he needs to keep his job. <laughs> um, and right. so I'm, I'm mostly in charge of, you know, keeping the kids occupied. Um, they're on tablets right now while I do this. <laughs> um, you know, keeping them entertained, doing a little bit of education and learning with them. And um, I, as an introvert, by w- within an hour of this, I'm exhausted. And mm-hmm. so I am not getting enough time to myself right now. Um, and that's been a big stressor on me. And I know historically that that plays a big role in my mental health and well-being. Um, and so we have, it, he, we have sorted out, um, and my husband's not the type to come and say, what do you need? But, <laughs> but he responds very well when I say, here's what I need. Right. Right. And so we, I have said, here's what I need. I need more time alone. As soon as you come out for your lunch break, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. So I might have lunch prepared before. I might not. Um, he comes, I go out for a walk. I go out for a bike ride. If it's the weather's bad, I'm up in my room with the door closed. No one's allowed in. And I have um, classical music playing and I'm reading a book Um, because that's the only time I can get is when he's on a break from work. So understanding the part that your um, parenting partner has a harder time with and being able to take some of that load off of them can be really helpful. Great tip. Great, great tip, because I think a lot of people are experiencing that, especially with people with younger kids Mm -hmm. that are at home, right? Whereas if they're older, they're like, oh boy, I'm stuck in this house with you too. (laughs) Whereas the older kids are like, I'm bored now. I've done my homework. I've, you know, all those things. So I think that's, that's if, you know, if if parents could just apply that tip, right? To say, you know, this is what I need. And if you, to your point, if your husband's not forthcoming, that you actually be able to express your needs, especially at at this, um, you know, kind of constricting time. Right. So let's move on to kids. Okay. What kind of tips do you have for, for parents? Uh, whether, let's start with wee ones, um, mm-hmm. kind of go, you know, kind of in between and then maybe the tweens to teenagers, what mm-hmm. kind of, you know, so we're talking developmental, but we're to also talking kind of personality types too. Yeah. So when they're younger, you know, we're taking guesses to their personality types based on observed behaviors. And um, there's very different, children have very different needs and you can discipline them in very different ways based on their personality types. Um, I can tell you with, we'll use, I I always use my family as an example and someday they're going to, they're going to tell me to stop. But until they tell me to stop, um, my, so my children, one has a a preference for thinking and the other has a preference for feeling. (coughs) And um, that means that they take criticism or discipline 
very differently from one another. Um, my son, he is a rule follower like your son. Um, however, he, he needs to understand the purpose of that rule in order to follow it. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with his, um, his extrovert thinking a little bit to do with his um, intuition as well is that he needs to understand the why behind a rule. But if you, if I am able to logically take him from A to B that I need you to um, for example, with his, because he prefers thinking, he can sometimes come off um, a little bit blunt. Uh, he can hurt his sister's feelings without meaning to. Um, for example, we have <laughs> when she's coloring, you know, he might say, she might say, do you like this? Um, and he says, no, that's bad. You colored outside of the lines. That's not a good drawing, right? Um, she's going to take that personally. But to him, he's like, well, why would I, why would I lie to her? Right? I, he, he values objective logic um, and truth and honesty. And, but if I can explain, if I can, and if I tell him, you're not allowed to say that to your sister, it hurts her feelings. He's like, I don't, I don't understand. Why does that hurt her feelings? Like, why am I not allowed to say that? It's true. Um, she's not coloring in the lines. If I'm able to logically explain um, your sister really values her drawing and she wants you to like it too. And if you say that it's not good, it hurts her feelings because that drawing is so important to her. And sometimes I need to describe it three different ways before something clicks with him. Right. But I might start there. And at some point along the way, he is capable of using logic and understanding that things affect people because he knows things affect him. He has seen things affect people. He just needs it to described logically. And if I can get to a logical explanation that satisfies him, then he says, okay, I get it. That's a new rule. He puts it into his systems and rules. And he says, I'm not allowed to tell Ripley that I don't like her drawing because it hurts her feelings. And he remembers the logic behind it and he follows the rule. Mm, Nice. Um, With my daughter who prefers feeling. And um, in addition to that, she is um, an FP, which the, your, um, your preference for judging or perceiving changes the way that you use your other functions. And this is like a level deeper in Myers-Briggs. And so I don't want to confuse people too much. Um, but the type of feeling that she uses is high. It's like the most sensitive (laughs) for going on like a, a grade of like sensitive, most sensitive to least sensitive. Um, she takes things incredibly personally. Um, and she, people who use, um, feeling and perceiving. So uh, especially children, but also adults to a certain level, they take criticism or conflict as a threat to their connection with that person, uh, that person's love for them or, or that person liking them or accepting them. So when we discipline her, say we just, she's doing something over and over again and we get tired of it and we're just like, no, you know, and that and the, some of the anger starts to come out, that's, she melts down right away. Mm. You know, my son would be like, what? Why are you saying no? You know, whatever. He doesn't care. He ro- it rolls off his shoulders. My daughter is crushed by it. And to her, there's a threat that our love is going to go away for her. And mm. if you understand that deeper level, first of all, it's a little bit heartbreaking, <laughs> but it can help you have a little bit more compassion and patience for the way that they're reacting. And we know that um, 
with our child, with any feeling child, um, and especially with a feeling perceiver, that they need constant reminders that you love them. So when you are giving discipline, they need physical touch. Mm -hmm. They need eye contact. They need, I love you. I appreciate Mm -hmm. when say the thing that annoying you, maybe she climbs all over me. She's very physical. I love snuggling with you and cuddling with you. Um, but when you are all over me, like you're doing it, it makes my body feel bad. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I need you to stop, but I love you. Can we cuddle a different way? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the constant reminders of love during is very important to maintaining that connection with your child. So that's really a great example, right? Because of course you have one child that says, Hey, I I got it. No big deal. And you have another Mm -hmm. kid that goes, Oh, you don't like me anymore. Right. (laughs) Same, same behavior. uh, And maybe the way you're dealing with the discipline, but the the perception or or other interpretation of, of the behavior is, is, is from such a different lens. So adapting them. So parents adapting to what is it that this child needs and how do they need it? Mm-hmm. You want them to get the same outcome from the behavior, but there's lots of different variables. So starting to think about if they're younger, um, like you said, like with my son, he's, you know, he's a rule guy, but he's an introvert, mm-hmm. right? So I'm an extrovert. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, what do you want to do today? He goes, well, not much. <laughs> I like to just sit around and let's, you know, let's read or we'll talk once in a while. And I'm like, oh, okay. Cause the extrovert parents like, oh, let's go. You know? So I think it's, you're so right. It's just understanding some of those nuances as young as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully people aren't going to be doing this for the first time that they're stuck at home, but they have generally most parents have a sense of what their sure. children are like, right? Like, I mean, sure, yeah. raising them. so you're going to get a sense of, oh, this is my rule breaker. <laughs> or this is the one that needs the explanation in a different way. This right. is the child that I says, this is the line, don't step over it. And they never step over it. And they never ask why. Right. Yeah. You've, as a parent, you've probably already picked up a lot of your child's uniqueness from other kids and their needs. Um, and this gives understanding their personality type gives you some language to identify that and also gives you the understand of, understanding of why they are that way, um, which can really help you put more practical plans into place for it. So I know I've probably kept it over time, but one last thing that I'm going to ask and, and just from the lens of stress, mm-hmm. what are some of the final tips that you could give to parents at this point um, as we kind of get, you know, as we stay home for God knows how long at this point, what kind of, what are some little quick tips that you would give them as parents Yeah, kind of just get through this time? Yeah. I mean, my first reaction, and this has nothing to do with personality type. This is just across personality types is give yourself a break, right? (laughs) Like don't expect too much of yourself um, and be okay with leaning into your preferences too, right? Like I, can be hard on myself that I need so much time alone. And I can be hard on myself that I've put the kids on the tablet in order to get that time alone or in front of a movie. Um, or that I'm, you know, they're all downstairs eating lunch together and I'm up by myself during my husband's lunch break because I need that time and I can put that guilt on myself. And I say, don't put the guilt on yourself. Take what you need because you need to replenish yourself in order to be there for your family. Um, And then just try to understand yourself on a deeper level um, through personality type will help you understand more of your needs and be able to put more of those things in place so that you have less stress, so that you can deal with the things that are happening in a more healthy and effective manner. And just do the best you can at yeah. this time as much as possible. Or don't even do the best you can. Just do enough. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> exactly. 
Well, Sandra, I think you and I could probably speak so much more about this. I know this has been very valuable. Thank you so much for your time. So what is my, my gain from this is to recognize that um, what is the internal space of the person across from me? And what is it that I don't know that they may be needing that I'm thinking, I need this, they must need this, but to check it out and say, this is what I'm thinking you need at this time. Is that really what you're thinking? And to have those regular check up, check-ins with your children, have, you know, maybe, you know, have a family meeting once a week to talk about what went well, um, what, what didn't go so well, and maybe what you would like different in the week coming up. And ask one per every person at the table, potentially, what's one small thing that they could do to get the family closer to that goal, um, you know, just to get through, uh, you know, week by week, month by month. So, again, thanks so much again for your time. And mm -hmm. uh, we will, where can people reach you if they wanted to go on further? I'm so sorry I didn't ask you that. Um, where can they get a hold of you if they're interested in doing the Myers-Briggs or the, also the other assessment or to, to coach with you, uh, Sandra? Yeah. My, so my website, um, the, my company is called Family Personalities. My website is www.familypersonalities.com. Um, I'm also about to launch a podcast and I assume it'll be out by the time this podcast airs. Um, the podcast is going to be called Family Personalities. Um, and I'm going to be just talking with my co-host who is not a personality type expert about parenting and personality type. We're going to make it kind of casual, easy for people who don't know a lot about personality type to follow. Um, and just kind of, we're going to, I'm, I'm kind of a cheesy person. So it's going to be a little cheesy. We're going to have like some fun, different games that we play. Um, and so check out the podcast and then you can follow me on Instagram, family personalities. I post a lot of series, um, about children and personality type parents and personality type. And I'll, I post tips on there, um, or how to figure out your kid's personality type or your, your own personality type. Um, and people love uh, putting things in the comments. It's, it's a, a nice little interactive place if you'd like to follow me there. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much uh, for your time. Um, you know, stay, stay uh, healthy and uh, connected through this time. And, uh, you know, for everybody listening, uh, go out and try to connect and try to understand from that space. Do the best that you can with what you have, with what you have control over right now just you know uh, take the time to replenish and that's the important thing because the more you're able to replenish you're able to come back to a space where you can uh you know deal with whatever is in front of you so again this is roxanne durhodge of the authentic connection movement um i'm a keynote speaker trainer and a, and a coach if you're needing anything from me you can reach me at roxannedurhodge.com thanks for tuning in to authentic living with roxanne creating the space for positive healthy change Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.